So have y'all had a good, good time off, a good break over the holidays? Um, our company, I, I work um, not at, on staff here at the church, but I do serve in the youth department. But I actually have a job, and our company this time of year shuts down for quite a long time. Honestly, I, I kind of feel like I'm in retirement a little bit. It feels great, but uh, it's just an awesome thing to be able to just unwind and and you know just sort of reflect on the year. This time of year, as we approach the end of a year, I always like to reflect on the year itself um, as one of the things that I do. And you can't help and go into this year and can't help but to be thankful for just so many things just in our lives that, that we think about. And when we have downtime and we begin to ponder on things in our lives and we just think about, and I jotted a few things down that I'm thankful for and grateful for. The first is my Heavenly Father and His love and grace. And man, He poured a lot of grace and mercy out on me this year because I, I truly needed it. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for my family and friends and church family and these youth leaders and the, these students that, as you well seen that this morning, that they're just fired up, they're excited, they're pumped up for God. It's just an incredible thing to see in young people especially. But our, our, our youth leaders and workers, I don't think... We're kind of over there, out of sight, out of mind a lot of times. But these workers pour so much time, effort, and energy into your kids. And let's give them a round of applause. Because we could not do it without them, I'm telling you. Ashley and I would be lost without all the ones that help and pour their lives. And, and many of them, you know, I've been in church my whole life. Okay, I'm the, if, you don't, if you're visiting here today, I'm the... I'm the pastor's kid. I don't like to tell a lot of people that, but I am. And that's, that's what uh, I was brought up to be. And I've been in church my whole life, and a lot of people have so many excuses why they can't serve. I'm talking about the list just is a mile long. But these group of leaders that we currently have have every right to have excuses not to serve. But they don't use them. They serve. Uh, where's David at? Where'd David go? There he is. David pours into these kids in the band. There's many times he has to shut his job site down, leave early, come on Wednesday night for practice. And just an incredible, incredible amount of faithfulness to these students and these kids. This morning, I want us to, um, as we reflect on the year, a couple of things that I, that I jotted down. One, that there, there are actually missionaries that are serving out and abroad. A few that Ashley and I support that are overseas currently. And Jess is, is one of those. And, and obviously she's serving overseas. And, you know, I think about them during this time of year and their sacrifice. And I think about the places that I've been. And I'm grateful for the places that I've been able to go and see and witness and two things that go to my, come to mind, one is Honduras, or places and situations. One was going, a group of us from this church this year went to Honduras. And it's just amazing to see the thankfulness of the people that have nothing. It's tough. And another one was the, the hope for the holidays that we had. Dad signed me up for a counselor, and I was like, man, I can't counsel these people. I don't have any experience in this. And all I, was, all I did was listen. I just listened to the hurt of the people. 
in our community that are amongst us right now. I just listened to the hurt, and it was all I could do not to burst out in tears because of the pain and the suffering that these people were going through. And God, he's blessed me so much. I don't deserve what he's given me, but I'm thankful for it. I mean, we, we met with people, and I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in our church because I think everyone should have been there that night, every single person to help and serve. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm going to be passionate about it because, I've been, like I said, I've been in church a long time, and I'm sick and tired of 20% of the people doing all the work when the other 80% of the people find themselves just making up excuses. It's time that we go into 2019 motivated more than we've ever been because I truly believe that this church, God is shaping it and molding it and making it to what he wants it to be. But he needs us. He knows he needs us to engage. He needs us to be motivated to move forward for him. Because if you think that, if you're so blinded by the fact that there are people in this community that are hurting that need us, they need the churches in this community to reach out to them. It's not about just coming and sitting on a pew Sunday after Sunday. It's more than that. It has to be more than that. It has to be. But I'm thankful for those, those places because, believe it or not, when you listen and you sit and you hear the stories of people who are in great need and great hurt, they still have hope. And many of us, we act like babies when it comes to one little thing. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I had a low tire pressure light come on in my car, and I just fall apart. You know, and that's the way many of us are. We're so weak in our faith and we're not trusting in God each step of the way like we should be. This time of year, I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time on on uh, New Year's resolutions, but I have I have a, a good buddy of mine that that I don't want to I don't want to mention any names. I won't I won't mention any names, but starts out things with just great enthusiasm. I'm talking about serious enthusiasm, but then just kind of peters out after that. Um, And that's what we do a lot of times this time of year. How many of you right now, which by the way, I did a Google search, and I found, uh, and if you Google this, things that we have a tendency to start but do not finish, your computer will probably start smoking like mine did, and because I came across 142 million articles, okay, of things that we start and we don't do well and finish, all right? And the first one at the top of the list is obviously diets, okay? How many of you are operating under a failed diet right now? Raise your hand. I'll raise my hand because I am, okay? Workout plans. I mean, we, these things are familiar to us. I guess med school was one of them. That certainly wasn't my... Uh, didn't relate to me, but that's difficult to do. Going to Harvard. Going to Harvard. I kid around with my kids. I said, you know, as soon as I got out of high school, I applied for Harvard, and I'm still waiting on my acceptance letter. <laughs> they, I'm serious. They do have a long waiting list, so, and I'm, I still have hope that they're going to call. Navy SEAL training. Yeah, that's, that's, that's certainly not at the top of my list. I can't stand to do cardio, so there's a lot of that involved. Running a marathon. We've got some runners in the church. But this morning, I want us to... To think about, because in the life of faith, we have a tendency to start out and do things with great enthusiasm, and they just, just sort of peter out along the way. And this morning, I, I really and truly believe that not just our church, but the church is suffering in this one area that I want to talk about. 
And the area, this area is of great importance. I believe it's the reason we're here. And that area is evangelism. And to find that is just simply the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or by personal witness. I feel as a church, many of us have lost our motivation in that area. But with the right motivation and with the right efforts channeled towards sharing our faith, we can easily accomplish what God wants to accomplish through us if we'll just be obedient in some of the things. And we're going to look at here in just, just a moment some things that moved our Lord in this area. But let's define motivation for a second. What is motivation? I love these definitions here that I was able to find in the book, The Joy of Working. Motivation is an inner drive, an idea captured in the imagination. Motivation can be harnessed to an intense drive toward a goal. Men and women who are motivated push themselves forward, plow through the inevitable setbacks, heading ever onward to their dreams. That's probably one that relates to me when I was pursuing my wife before we were married. It it took a lot of motivation because, you know, when you get denied so many times, you know, you kind of lose motivation. But I didn't give up. I kept pushing forward. Motivation is essential to succeeding in any endeavor you try. Someone put it like this. Motivation is like steam. It's like steam. Properly channeled, it can move large objects, similar to a steam-powered train. But without it, the train remains motionless. The train remains motionless. So this morning, again, I want us to look at a couple of things that, that moved our Lord because He's our example. Jesus Christ is our example of who we should be following. And when we get out of this, people say, what is the will of God for my life? One of the simplest put ways of finding the will of God is called the read your Bible way. Because when you begin to open the book, the living word of God, which by the way, this is the living word of God. Many of your Bibles hadn't moved in so long. I can see why you think that it's dead, but it is living. Okay, you need to open it and get in and let the Spirit of God just begin to work in you and begin to real, reveal things to you through His Spirit and through His words. It's so important. 1 Peter uh, 2, 21 tells us that for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, He is your example and you must follow in His steps. So let's look at quickly what moved our Lord. The first thing is our Lord had compassion for lost souls. He had compassion for lost souls. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the mass of lost souls around him. And it moved him to do a couple of things. One, he began to ask his disciples to pray that God would send workers into the harvest. And the second thing, he moved forward and did something about it himself. And challenged his disciples to do something about the mass of the lost souls. In Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, I want us to focus in on this verse this morning. These few verses. This is our core scripture for this morning. It's entitled in your Bible, The Need for Workers. Starting in verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them 
because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest, listen to this part, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is, your, who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers in the fields. And I'm wondering this morning, church, as a, a local faith family, as Solid Rock Baptist Church, I want to ask this question. Do we even see the harvest? Do we even see the harvest? And do we even see how great it is? Because I'm like you. I get in my little routine where I get up in the morning. I try to go to the gym and work out, get ready, go to work, come home. And then, you know, other than serving in the church, but it's serving in the church and being plugged in in the local body that's, that's given me exposure to a lot of things like Hope for the Holidays, which our church tries to do events and, and has ministries to where it's incredible. The lost come here. The lost come to our campus, but we don't take advantage of it as a church. We've lost our motivation to share our faith and to share our story. Why do we sit still when we've got something? I mean, we've got softball coming up. Do you know how many lost people come to this campus that are unchurched, they don't know the Lord, and we have to beg and ask for people to sign up to coach? When will we transition in begging people to sign up on a list and transition into a waiting list? That's the way we should be as a church. We should have a waiting list of people that are just ready to get out and share their faith and and invite people to come here into this church or go to church somewhere. It's so important. Do we ever find ourselves filled with compassion for the lost around us? It's another question. There's a story of five missionaries. This is just an incredible story of compassion for lost souls. There's a story of five missionaries who set out to reach an unreached people group in Ecuador, I believe it was. These five missionaries wanted to go there to witness and share their faith to a local Indian tribe there. They knew that there was danger involved. They knew that there was a lot of things that could happen. And they pursued these people because they had never heard the gospel. These men went into this village, and at first there was some back and forth, but the village there, the local village, were they were confused why they were there. They had people come before them that um, you know, were not good for them to be there. So they were very hesitant of these five men. So they killed all five missionaries. They speared them to death. Well, the story doesn't end there. One of the sons of the man that was killed, Nate Saint was one of the five that was killed among them. And his son, Steve Saint, was curious. Why did my dad have such compassion for these people? to the point where he would risk his life to go into this area and this territory and share his faith. So guess what he did? He went into that area to share his faith. And now, as a result of his dad putting his life on the line, making a sacrificial effort, and let me just say this in this this part of the, the message. Don't think that you don't have an impact on your kids as adults. Don't think that your laziness and your um, complacency 
to not come to church and not take Christ serious does not have a negative effect on your kids because it does. Because I'm reading this story here, and this man went into danger. He put his life into danger knowing his dad was killed to go in and still share their, his faith with the same people group. And guess what? He met the man that killed his dad. And when he went in and he met the man that killed his dad, he, he even had compassion on him to the man that murdered his dad. And now they have a friendship. Many of those people have come to know the Lord. You see, it was God's plan. They were just willing and faithful enough to go and to share their faith. And I, I, get, so, I get so aggravated at the way church members are. Let someone just say a crossword to you. You won't speak to them for a year. Let somebody just upset you in some kind of way. Because the problem is, when we get in church and we get in roles of service, we think that now it's about us. But it's not about us. It's about the people that come here. It's about, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about our story. It's about what He did for us is why we're here. That's why I serve. I'll step out of any position and, and that, that for anyone. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, It's not about a position. It's about a person. And we know that. The second thing that moved our Lord was he felt as though he had a sense of purpose. And that purpose was to save a dying world. It's the same purpose for us. John 3.16, very familiar verse. For, God, um, for this is how God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. You see, I feel like as a church we've lost our passion. And our passion is what fires up our purpose. But I find and I feel like not, not just our church, but the church as a whole is stuck in complacency. We're stuck in complacency. In our faith, sharing our faith. I mean, we... Ha- it goes without saying that we're stuck in complacency when we have these events and people don't come. We have Sunday school. People don't come. They don't want to hear about the Word. They don't, they're not hungry. And the ones that do, thank you. We've got to move past this 80-20. We've got to push beyond that. You know, I mean, I, don't you get tired of hearing people saying, hey, man, we need ushers. We need ushers to serve. Why is every single man in this church not an usher? What is your excuse? Because, like I said, we need a waiting list. We need Gene and his team to say, you know what? I've got to schedule you out because there's so many workers. What is wrong with us, church? You see, God can't take us where he wants us to go, and he can't create what he's designed for this church until we get serious about the Lord in our lives. We've got to get serious about him. We need our passion back. We need our desires back. We've got to get out of this complacency. And you say, what's the significance of being an usher? Well, I'll tell you, if you're just a complacent usher, which we have great ushers that serve, but if you're just wanting to walk around past the plate, not even look at anybody in the face, not talk to anyone, yeah, that's complacency. But somebody who's motivated is excited and they're anticipating people to come through those doors so that they can shake their hand and say, thank you for coming here this morning. Thank you for being a part of this service. Thank you for um, 
and getting to know and fellowshipping with the men that are a part of that group and praying for one another, asking one another about life. Because, see, discipleship is life on life, guys. It's life on life. It's not something we do in a closet somewhere by ourselves. Discipleship involves us connecting with people. We need to move past the fact that, well, I just don't do good with people. I just, I just can't get along with people. We've got to move past that because that's not the way God designed us to be. He had designed us to interact with people and to share our faith. You see, everyone has passion for something or someone. Is God part of what you're passionate about? I have no idea what that noise is, but (laughs) it's kind of weird. Uh, I'll just move to the third point. What moved our father was simply that he had love for the father. Jesus had experienced the love of the father, which prompted him to love others. You see, when we get out of this and we get out of fellowship, with God because it's not it is about lost people but it's also about believers who's lo- who have lost their way a little bit in the faith it's about encouraging one another it's about lifting one another up but see we're not going to do that unless we have a desperate love for the father many of us what a lot of things a lot of times what drives us off the beaten path a little bit in our faith is the simple fact, trials come. You know, trials come in our life. And, and they can be setbacks for us. But see, a lot of times, trials come into your life not because you're out of the will of God, but because God is wanting to take you to a deeper trust in Him. So we need to thank God sometimes. Even in our storms, we need to be thankful and grateful for what He does for us. The third thing was the joy set before him. The fact that we're going to a place where there's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more separation. The fact that we will be in the presence of God for eternity. You see, that's what motivated our Lord. Does that, does that not motivate us enough to where we're willing to share our faith and we're willing to get out of our comfort zone and talk about Christ? Is that not enough? Eternity? So I have a challenge for you this morning, church. And the challenge is this. Going into 2019, it is my prayer that each one of you in this room will reach one. Each one will reach one. How do you do that? How do you, how do you say, how do you reach one? Invite someone to have breakfast with you. That's not going to church. Invite someone to go to lunch with you. Invite someone over your house for dinner. Never underestimate the power of hospitality. Because you see, Jesus, and a lot of times in Scripture, He was either going to, coming from, or at a meal with others. Never underestimate the power of hospitality. And invite someone to church. Be proud of the fact that, man, I'm a part of a local body who's serious about Christ, serious about growing in Him, serious about pursuing holiness, and invite someone. We have to get our motivation back. 
We can't just settle for complacency. We don't do that on our jobs, do we? I hope not. I hope you don't just settle for being complacent. Why do we put God in that category of complacency? We can't do it. So that's the challenge this morning, church. It's my prayer that each one of you will reach one in 2019. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm just so thankful this morning for this, this youth and these students, this, the workers and all that they did to make this service possible today. But everything we put into this service today, as far as effort, work, time, practice, means absolutely nothing if you're not willing to make a decision this morning. You see, we, we present the gospel... In the time of your salvation, if you may be here this morning, you may say, you know what? I don't know this Jesus you're speaking of. Well, the invitation for you to come to know Christ is the moment that you realize that you're lost. This morning, if that's you, if you've never given your heart and life to Christ, would you come speak to one of us this morning? As the band plays this morning, you can stand with me if you will. It's my prayer that this morning that you will get your heart right before it's, it's eternally too late. Maybe you're like that person I described where you've kind of lost your way a little bit and you've, you've kind of grown out of fellowship with Christ. You're a believer. You know you're out of fellowship. Maybe you need to come down and run to this altar. Don't walk. Run to this altar and make it right so that 2019, you're going to be a different person. You're not just going to have enthusiasm in the beginning and then let it peter out in the end. No, this is something you're going to pursue daily. And it's a daily grind in our Christian faith. It's tough at times. But I pray that you'll come to this altar this morning and pray about whatever it is that you need to release. Maybe it's a sin. You know, I heard, I heard recently that sin described like this. Just as much as we don't like garbage... God doesn't like sin. Some of you need to come down to this altar. I'm going to turn my mic off because I need to come to this altar and pray that God would break the chains of my life, the the sin and the, the strongholds that Satan tries to trap us with. And I pray that we'll get serious with him and in our relationship with him for next year. So at this time, the altar's open. It's up to you now.